Hi, and welcome to Life and Dev. This is another episode of the podcast where games and life meet. And today, um, this is another Amaze special, actually. It's International Games Week is still ongoing. It's last of it now. Amaze is probably breaking up and packing down. Uh, but I'm lucky to have secured a second guest from who's come over from London. So sit down and get ready for our new episode. I'm Elise Terranova, your host, and please welcome George Buckingham. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Um, pretty good. Pretty hungover after last night. Mm. Because that's, that's what Maze is all about, right? Like going out to karaoke bars until ridiculous o'clock in the morning. Ridiculous o'clock. Yeah. As if that's a real time. <laughs> but, you know, the, I think we all acknowledge that ridiculous o'clock is a thing. It's, it's, it's when you come out of the club and it's already quite sunny outside. Yeah. That, that is a wonderful Berlin thing as well, too, where, um, well, I feel like this is particularly particularly part of Berlin, the hours between about two and about six o'clock in the morning don't actually exist. If you make it till two, you'll make it till six or possibly even eight. Sometimes it depends on the weather actually for that one. Um, but yeah, those hours don't don't actually exist in real time. Oh, that, that's good. That's yeah. probably why I'm feeling remarkably fresh considering. I think it's also because I'm plying you with English breakfast. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> English breakfast tea is uh, a saviour. I think actually Earl Grey is my, my okay, personal saviour, yeah. but you know... Um, but, English breakfast close second. But I, I, I hate the taste of bergamot, so... Oh, God, who are you? <laughs> what are you doing in my home? <laughs> well, this was a short podcast. Oh, <laughs> this is also something a bit new, too. This is the first time I've actually recorded in my own house. Uh, so everyone else I've... Uh, because most of the people I've, I've so far asked to be on the podcast, they're Berlin-based because um, the idea is to sort of show off the Berlin game scene. So I've been going to their places and setting up, which is really nice to see how other people live in the city as well. Uh, but yesterday uh, I interviewed Fakra and Fakra, uh, she's from the UAE and she's staying in a hotel. It wasn't possible to go there. Uh, so we interviewed at Happy Tuesday, which is a space in Berlin, which is an indie, another indie space, um, started off as a company and now they have also co-working there. Um, yeah, so this is the first time that I've invited someone to my home. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, very nice it is, too. Oh, thank you. I like it pretty well. <laughs> uh, so you did a talk as part of a maze, uh, which was called Really Small and Really, Really Big. Is uh, very quick and very slow. Very quick and very slow. I almost got there. Very quick and very slow. So it was about time and... Uh, things that take different amounts of time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which which every time I've tried to describe what the talk is about, I'm like, it's it's about durations that things happen at, and you just sound incredibly vague and like non-specific. And you're like, no, 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 seriously, this is this is all it is. It is, I don't know. But in execution, actually, it's I don't know. Uh, it is. It's it's a list. It's a list of various durations, but that gives you a frame to talk about a bunch of other stuff, mm. like. Hey, VR latency is important, and how does different latency feel, and how do computers work, and what's... transitions, which I really like too. You got into like uh, transitions of animations, and right, yeah, uh, and Spelunky. I mean, who doesn't want to talk about Spelunky? Right, yeah, and I don't know, talking about game loops and kind of explaining that, and yeah. also a thing which I've I've been thinking about a load, which is the yeah games which take place and feel consequential because they take a large amount of real time real world time mm -hmm. and they kind of sit with your life as you're going through it so it's something that bleeds from the fictional world into your everyday life and it gains meaning from that and um that's that's definitely something i want to make a game kind of 
exploring that and using that. I'm really interested in like long-term games and how you interact with games in really long-term. How do you think this fits though? Um, I think a lot of pe- people have been talking recently about indie games being great because they're small and you can get through them like fairly quickly and there's something nice about not taking up too much time and space yeah. and uh, some things certainly have the ability to suck in much too much time for what they're actually giving you back. So how do you feel that that fits within the kind of dichotomy of those two? Uh, I mean, so for me, it's, uh, I always think about it as like, there's some games that you play and they, they're, they're expecting you to take them up as a hobby, mm. even if temporarily, like, it's like, cool, my hobby is playing this one video game and, you know, you'll come back and you'll do it a couple of evenings a week. Uh, and you'll do that for a month and that's about how long it'll take to play through it. Um, and that's, and that's fine, but I've never, I mean, or not definitely since I was like, I don't know, 14 or something had that amount of commitment to playing games or that amount of time to playing games. Uh, so actually what I'm looking for in a game is I want to have an, an evening's entertainment when I decide I'm going to play a game and that is like, you know, once, once a month I'll be like, cool, let's sit down and play a game for the evening. And I, I'm not super interested in what the game gives me beyond the like, I don't know, four hours I have to give to it that evening. So it's like, cool, this game has 60 hours. Great. Uh, That's actively repelling because presumably the first four hours of that are not going to be as amazing as one where it's four hours long. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The learning curve is going to be a bit slower. Yeah. Or like not even the learning curve, but just like, it's like, good. Yeah. Great. Like an introductory cutscene, like teach me how to play all this kind of stuff. I'm just like, just, just have all of the good stuff. Just, just, Straight away. Distill it down. Distill it down. <laughs> Give me four hours of stuff that's super exciting and then great. But I mean, some stuff doesn't doesn't work that way and, you know, it, it's good. And I don't know. I also try to keep in mind that the, the fact that there's also, I don't know, like I think about the different demographics of people who go to like consumer shows for just generic video games versus the demographics of indie dev conferences um, and indie dev conferences are much generally whiter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, better, better in terms of other kind of representation, but much whi- whiter and much richer generally. Yeah. Uh, and part of that is because video games are a really cheap hobby. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I mean, like, you know, like AAA games are expensive, but you know, you buy your console and you pay your 50 bucks and then you've got entertainment for every evening for fucking two months or something. Yeah, a really long time. And you can really squeeze a lot out of that too. So, yeah. And then I'm like, no, but actually what what everyone should be making is they should be making things that last like four hours and cost $10. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, but there's lots of people for whom that's that's not Not nearly as good a deal. But for me, I'm like, great. I mean, the thing I really care about is the fact that I'm sacrificing time to this, like the cost... Like I don't, I don't care if I'm spending ten hours for this or a fraction of it, whatever, because I have limited amounts of time and I want to see interesting stuff with it. Yeah. Um. So the value proposition is quite different, and yeah, so course. I'm also kind of skeptical of people saying no, everything should be short and expensive, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's also a certain type of industry that it would cultivate as well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um. I don't know. So there's 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 that, but at the same time, I do want that to exist because that's what I I actually want to play. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Like, there's there's definitely a whole thing there with like making the games industry more high culture, 
Mm. Um, which is a weird kind of polarizing thing to do. And like, I mean, I feel this as well with like public funding for stuff, which is more artistic. And it's like, why is, why is the public funding going to the stuff that generally already fairly privileged people will care about, you know, Yeah. which, you know, I'm not saying that shouldn't exist. Like, you know, sure. You should spend some public funding on opera, but also not the majority of it, or you should be very conscious that this is a choice you're making and the trade-offs there and not just kind of go, well, it's important. Culture is important. So let's fund the, capital C culture stuff which incidentally only privileged people like yes the highest of the high art forms if you use that (laughs) type of scale but yes it's um it's definitely problematic in that way yeah of course um so that was uh (laughs) 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 yeah no I, I feel you on that one it's um a tough uh, like right note to strike there um, and I feel also like I'm consuming a huge amount and I feel like I'm consuming also a huge amount of games at the moment because I want to know what's out there and I want to understand the mechanics people are using and the themes they're covering and um, so it feels like also consuming because I sit down play enough to get a feel for what's actually mm. going on and then I stop unless I get addicted which also happens <laughs> but there is a point when you realize you're not playing this for research anymore you're playing it because you really love the game or you're intrigued or there's something there that you haven't yet quite put your foot right. on it on. Um, yeah. So I think that's a bit different too. Uh, like, I mean, I understood for instance, life is strange very quickly cause it's not a difficult game to kind right. of get what they're trying to go for. Um, but I played it because I really enjoyed playing it. Although I wish they had compressed the hell out of that game. <laughs> oh my goodness. It is a third too long um, at least, but yeah yeah no it's a i don't know i mean for me for me it's kind of the struggle to to play stuff to enjoy it versus like ah yes i see i see what's happening here ah yes this is very interesting and it's like i don't know it it takes it takes something good for you to just play it and kind of go i've not i've not thought about this in like a structural level or whatever i've just played it and enjoyed it and that's that's what i was trying to get to or to separate from the game developer inside right I think uh, uh, Jenny Kudok did this really well in her talk when she talked about herself as a game developer and she also talked about herself as in the Jenny in-game. Mm, and yeah. I really liked the kind of separation that she managed to achieve uh, in that. Um, and it, I kind of feel like it's the same thing a little bit too. I'm like, am I the developer that's doing this right now or am I like, you know, the huh. game appreciator and player? Right, um, yeah. And when does that separation happen in a game for me? <laughs> Like for me, it's kind of like, I don't know, like turning off the overlay where, I mean, you play a game and like sometimes it feels like there's like a, I don't know, extra overlay that pops up that just says, ah, this asset, approximately this many like man hours went into this bit. Approximately (laughs) this many man hours went into this bit. And like you play, you play stuff like Call of Duty or you play like these super high budget stuff and it's kind of like, you're like, well, I mean, I'm not really enjoying this, but I'm just like feeling like in this kind of. I don't know, like you go to a luxury hotel and everything's like way fancier than it needs to be. And it's like, I'm not even necessarily comfortable here, but I just appreciate how much money is being spent for an experience I'm part of or going to going to a punch drunk thing. Kind of I'm like, you know, you know, really fucking feel the production value. Yeah. In a similar way, you kind of, yeah, I don't know, like playing playing Dishonored or something. And you're like, 
just seeing all of this fucking detail and work that's went into it and you're just like oh i just really just really feel like in a really rich space and i'm covered like surrounded by these really expensive assets that have been <laughs> done to a really high quality and it kind of doesn't matter whether they're good or not or work cohesively or what they're achieving you're just like yeah okay yeah i'm just i don't know and then, it, and then it's weird to look at that and kind of go, all right, how many how many indie games could be made for the same budget? <laughs> Don't count. <laughs> I think is the answer to that one. Do not count. Yeah. Uh, so also what I wanted to ask you about um, was you've been putting on events in London for ages. Yeah. So this is just, I mean, also you, you've been doing stuff at GDC for a while as well. Um, how do you think the indie community has changed since you kind of became a part of it in London? And what do you think is, um, what do you think the future is for it? Mm, I mean, specifically in London, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like London for me is, is kind of weird because it, it feels super, there's different groups doing stuff, but not necessarily it's talking a big group to of people, other. right? That are, I mean, how, do you have an idea of how many, developers are based there or no not really based? i mean this is kind That's of this thing, is kind of the it? point yeah, yeah like i i don't know like i know a bunch of different groups or i spend a bunch of time and energy like trying to understand it and keep track of it and trying to be up to date with it um but at the same time like i don't know then there's an entirely separate group of people and i'm like not surprised to find that there's a bunch of jams happening that i didn't really know about or this scene kind of popping up and i didn't really know about it because because it is so huge and yeah. so kind of disconnected and like there's a whole bunch of universities there that do games games courses so there's a bunch of different students from them and you know the students from different universities don't hang out with each other so <laughs> <laughs> as far as i know i don't know um yeah so i don't know it's difficult to see that it's interesting seeing um i don't know i mean i turned 30 a few months ago um and boo hiss <laughs> <laughs> but like but like it's it's weird suddenly being like oh yeah like we're like me and the people i'm friends with and the kind of scene i'm part of are actually like the established people who have connections and have jobs in fancy places and have access to resources and there's people coming up who are trying to be part of the groups we're part of or modeling how how their careers look like on us like oh yeah no with with those people now we're not mm -hmm. we're not the people who are trying to invade our way into like the people who have money and connections and power like that that slightly older generation mm -hmm. um yeah so that's that's a that's a weird thing to realize and also yeah you're looking around and you're like right which one of you is gonna like massively <laughs> massively like i don't know out outshine us or like <laughs> where, where are the threats coming from <laughs> whoa okay <laughs> whole new way of looking at it <laughs> um and you know how how can how can we either sabotage you oh, or, God. Or, or get on your good side now so that when you become massively <laughs> successful we'll, we'll get a bit of that now. you'll take us with you yeah <laughs> yeah that's um how much of that do you think has happened? Okay, so I guess uh, to put this in context, we've known each other for seven years. Yeah. You already seemed to be fairly involved in uh, the scene back then, but you kind of right. say it was fairly new for you at that point. Yeah, no, it was, definitely when we first met, I, I was super on the periphery and super like, yeah, like looking looking around, but didn't didn't have like kind of connections or I mean, mm. I wasn't I wasn't working in the games industry at that point, mm -hmm. for example. And how do you think you've uh, managed to kind of 
you know, <laughs> threat your threat your way in, or I don't, I don't know how you did this. Like, it sounds a lot more um, uh, aggressive, and, but, and uh, yeah, how have you managed to do this, uh, weasel, <laughs> weaselly? <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. Like, a, a bunch of it is just just showing up to a yeah. bunch of stuff, or like, I don't know. I'm definitely super aware of like, I mean, obviously, it's a thing that I super care about and derive a lot of meaning in my life from is being part of like communities game communities and kind of other kind of communities of creative folk like a lot of my life is oriented around that so it's not like it's it's not like it's entirely a chore but i'm also aware that like it is also work yes at some point it does become work yeah or i mean like even if even if it's enjoyable and it's a thing i derive meaning in my life from at the same time it is like it does require a bunch of time and energy to be at a bunch of events and to get to know people and to be connected and to yeah like you know I'm, i mean people are still my actual friends but also like <laughs> well like it's it's the weird thing of like like people are my actual friends but also i've deliberately went to events and made friends with people who i think are rad designers and i mean yeah like not even just for like a mercenary reason but like it's 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 really cool to have friends who are extremely talented There's <laughs> and that doing too. and doing amazing work. Like, and it's you know. nice to have common interests as well. Yeah. And it's also, I I mean, if you're really short on time too, and you spend a lot of your time already doing game like things, it's really awesome to build your social time into the projects that you want to work on as well. I actually really enjoy that. Like if I don't have any time, but I want to be a part of something in particular, like joining collective that will put on an event, your social time kind of becomes organizing time, which maybe (laughs) that's a really sad thing. Um, But I actually kind of like that. Like it gives me an excuse to hang out with really excellent people. Right. Um, Yeah. No, like there's definitely a dangerous thing there where you need to still remember how to actually just hang out with people without doing work (laughs) (laughs) and i i I definitely try to try to make a effort to like yeah no like we're friends we don't need to we don't need a pretext to hang out we don't need to actually do work we can just be friends and see each other and have a good time and occasionally not do work but at the same time like i don't know i mean all of this stuff doesn't doesn't pay that well so no. <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't for the fact that you were doing it with people you super liked then then like i don't know if you take away that part then like what what's the reward why, why are we yeah. doing this motivation is low <laughs> at that point um yeah. yeah i don't know but yeah i think i don't know i think it is turning up to stuff kind of consistently and making an effort there and i don't know i mean yeah you should definitely also be aware of when you ultimately don't like a person (laughs) like or like it's 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 fine it's fine to meet people and be like yeah you're cool but like we don't we don't get on we're not friends and like not not try to force a thing that because you're just going to make yourself miserable like Mm -hmm. that's 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 the thing of like how do you network and like just go to events and hang out with your friends and meet their friends like that's that's ultimately (laughs) yeah ultimately the way you actually network successfully yes is, and try not to be an asshole in the, yeah in the, <laughs> but like in exchanging the exchanging as many business cards as possible it's like great cool you've got a lot of business cards good this is not it's not yeah. it doesn't actually convert to anything unless you can actually do something with right. that yeah yeah it's also this really funny thing like um so i was at corvatus earlier this week uh, also part of the games festival and just this guy that I was sitting next to before he got up and left gave me a business card. And I was like, we've had no conversation. <laughs> he was just like, oh, you know, just by the way, just in case, I'll give you my business card. And I was like, just in case of what? <laughs> like, just in case you need a roach. Yeah. I, like, I, I actually like, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, 
<laughs> I mean, and I've got plenty of other business cards in my in my bag, and you know, a train ticket just in case I need a rich. But um, yeah, this is this is the really strange thing. Is like how how has that benefited either one of our parties? I feel like I've you know just been quietly sitting by myself doing my thing, and I've I've kind of been you know uh, my space has been kind of. Oh, I don't know how to say this. There is no, wise, no, no nice way to say this. My my personal little bubble that I'd built up at that point, moment was just kind of like penetrated by someone that I didn't try right. and talk to or that didn't actually try and talk to me. It was just like, and he penetrated it with a business card. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was really weird. But it has like no actual value doing something like that. So I was really confused about why right, he yeah. would do something like that. Yeah. I, I think I just come back to people are weird all the time. <laughs> yeah. But if I, I maybe it was he was like, I'm at a professional conference with my professional looking business cards and I'm a professional, therefore I can just hand anyone a business card. I mean, card how, how young was he? Was he like... He was older than me. I okay. would say mid-30s. Okay, yeah. So it's not just like, a ah, this is what you're supposed to do. I, You know, instead it's like, no, you've had, you've had enough time to... to try things and notice this doesn't work and is weird well you think that but i mean maybe he's had some success maybe his strategy yeah. is that and it <laughs> maybe, works for maybe, some maybe it reason. does work yeah maybe it's maybe it's fine maybe you've made loads of like really good contacts like just by handing people business cards yeah i mean maybe he should like put little cutted uh, dotty lines where you can see like the exact size that you need for a roach and then maybe that would be more useful maybe he needs a gimmick on his business card um maybe it's working as it is i don't know i don't know i found it quite strange um and that kind of yeah it is this weird like how do you network successfully Uh, networking is still a dirty word and it's gross right yeah 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 i don't know that was just really odd (laughs) so uh, based on that like what advice would you have for someone who is trying to set up an indie community um setting up an indie community yeah so I mean, I don't know. I mean, it depend, depends on exactly your circumstances or exactly what you're trying to achieve with it. Like, I think there's, I mean, there's, there is a lot to kind of managing that community and doing stuff explicitly and building something inclusive, like a bunch of the kind of indie, indie community spaces in London. Like I was like, you know, we'd go along, have a reasonably good time, and then like talk to some female friends, and like, oh yeah, no, I don't, I don't want to ever go there. That just makes me feel weird and uncomfortable. And I'm like, <laughs> oh okay, yeah, no, I, I, I see why. And also, I don't want to be part of a community that my friends feel excluded from or like that. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I think you need to, you need to be super explicit about setting those standards and actively doing stuff about it. Or I don't know. I mean, most of it is generally like you have a space, you find some people to come along and you'll have a good event mm. and do a series of events and that then then you've got a community. So mm. it's kind of like, it's it's actually super simple or the critical stuff is like fairly simple and fairly like, how do you get a venue? Like just, you go look at likely venues on the internet and you talk to people and like, I don't know, there's, there's it's not magic, it's just yeah. a bit of work that's yeah. fairly fairly obvious once you approach it as a problem. How do you find people? Like, well, are you building off an existing community? Can you put it out through there? Do you know enough people on Twitter? Can you, setting up a meetup group that attracts people at like a fairly steady clip just from people searching for the thing they want to do? Um, you know, start a thing fairly small and like give yourself ability to kind of grow, but 
don't and also just do things in a way that minimizes the amount of work it takes and energy it takes to keep something running um, do you think regularity is important as well for the events that you're running uh most of the events <laughs> i've run like wild rumpers is like super infrequent because it takes a bunch of energy to do yeah i don't know it depends on what it depends on exactly what you want to do but also one-off things are fine I feel like you have a built-in community in London already, so right, it's yeah. not that difficult. You guys kind of, well, maybe not now. It seems like you guys sort of say, "Oh, we're doing something," and people know based on your reputation yeah, already exactly. that it will probably be pretty fun. Right, probably. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Sorry, but I mean, yeah, if you if you're trying, if like it's a place where there's not super a community and you're trying to get something going, I think having something that's regular is important, or mm. having having kind of regular meetups there. I don't know. It depends on exactly what problem you're trying to hit. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. So all of that stuff is fairly, fairly like just do the thing and it's whatever but the thing that's actually super critical is you have a duty of care to people who are coming to your events or a part of this community if you're in a position of kind of leadership in that community you have a duty of care to keep people safe yeah and to stop people from coming to harm and stop people from feeling super gross and unwelcome um i don't know some some people should feel unwelcome <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, it's, like and, and scary being... games are still scary when you're not there yet games yeah. are still scary um, yeah, going but, to jams terrifies people right i mean but i mean i still think some people should feel unwelcome because you have to make an explicit choice about the kinds of people you want at your event yeah and the only way to enforce that is to explicitly make some people feel unwelcome and make conscious choices about the kind of people it's for mm-hmm. um and i think that's i think that's valid but yeah you have this kind of duty of care which is which is so the rest of it you can kind of half ass and probably you'll get through and just kind of do the common sense thing and try it out but the thing you should do need to be super careful about are having that yeah having that duty of care and having that duty of care to the community like making access not dependent on having the right friends or connections or you know and kind of gendered stuff or any or like you know levels of experience or stuff like that so you need to be super think super hard about that but like the stuff of like i don't know but the rest of it is just kind of like yeah no it's it's kind of common sense (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah basically i think if you you're with events it's basically as long as you have a space and you have some people turn up to the space then then it will be a good community it'll be then the event will probably be fine probably be good as long as you're not fire festival (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) We've been talking about this a little bit this morning. What a mess. Yeah. But I think they tried to achieve a little bit more than what, you know, I'm probably trying to achieve with the little indie meetup. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, they did have, they did have people. Yes. They did have a venue kind of. <laughs> Let's look at what they did right. Uh, I mean, also they didn't, I mean, I think the fundamental part of it was they didn't sell nearly enough tickets to ha- actually pay for all the stuff they promised. Mm. Uh, and then instead of like cancelling it or dealing with that instead they were just like yeah it's fine we'll work out and then it didn't yeah i think uh calling it knowing when to call it quits is also an important skill for people that a lot of people don't have as well right when is it really not working and when do you need to cut your losses right and i mean it's also i mean i've organized stuff and it was kind of i had a couple of things and people turned up we had a good time and then had some more events and like the numbers have diminished and I was like cool well this was fun and I'll stop doing it mm-hmm. and I'm not going to feel too sad that I ran an event and it didn't didn't grow massively um as long as you yeah I guess that's the thing as long as your overheads aren't huge for something like that as well like, right as I mean this, this was like a or... pub, pub meetup or it was, it was a it was a discussion group so we'd get together and play twine games and then talk about talk about it like a book club 
Oh, that sounds excellent. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but we did that. We had some good discussions and then like it became a pain in the ass and a hassle to organize. So I was like, cool, okay. I'll Time to move on. Stop doing this and yeah. spend my energy somewhere else. But I don't know. It, 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 it's fine to do a thing and try it and then see how it goes and then continue it or do something else. I don't mm. know. Yeah. Um, you have a pile of projects that you've worked on in the past. Uh, one of them is like a balancing game and it's physical. And then you have a lot of other smaller prototypes. You've had a little zine. You've done a bunch of little things. Yeah. As well as some bigger things. I don't know if I said little things. You've done a bunch of things, George. <laughs> um, what, are you, what are you wanting to focus on next? What's, um, what's coming up? So... Like I want to, I've got a bunch of bunch of stuff. Oh, I don't know. Like I'm still not gonna focus on stuff. I'm still gonna continue on with a bunch of stuff. So we were. <laughs> we are so good at being specific. Yeah, today. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so we're still still working on beasts of balance. Still expanding yeah. that out. Um, Why did it change from fabulous beasts to beasts of balance? Um, because of Warner Brothers. Ah, oh, bloody Warner Brothers! <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I really yeah. like that fabulous was in the title, but yeah, sure. Okay, so yeah, beasts no. of balance. And yeah. it, it it actually was weird because it like did some work in the game design. I don't know. I I quite like this as a technique of like. You make your game and then you're like, right, what's the most confusing thing about it that's like difficult to explain? Just make that the title of the game. Because, the fabulosity, clearly. Right, like, <laughs> because like beasts have like this, the, like, you know, their fabulousness and it's not health, but it is their fabulousness. So they get more fabulous as whatever. And, like, I really so, liked that it wasn't health. And I really liked that it wasn't like some sort of more arbitrary right. measurement. It was, yeah, fabulousness. I mean, who doesn't want to be measured by their fabulousness? Right. Or like... um my friend Aubrey had a game called uh, One 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 Two Three, and that was because, like, that bit was the arbitrary thing of like the number of, like, the points you needed per round, like, yeah, the number of turns you had per in like a series of rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think it was yeah, it was like you played five rounds, and those were the points you got from each round. Mm-hmm. But like the rest of it, were, like, kind of made sense. But those were like the arbitrary numbers you needed to remember to play the game. But if you make that the title of the game, then you remember it and it you come in understanding that. I yep. don't know. Two birds, one stone. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> um, and you negate like the whole horrible finding a name for things, which can be yeah, really tough. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, um, yeah. So we're still working on that and um, working on cheap bots done quick. Yeah. I, I want to get back and make some improvements with that um, and maybe launch a Patreon ca- campaign Excellent. To, to fund ongoing work on that. How many bots do you think you have running on this? Uh, last I checked, I think there was 4,000 running. Jesus. <laughs> 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 yeah, you were like botting out Twitter well good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got I got contacted by somebody from Twitter like who sent me a DM and said, hey, there's new cool new features in the Twitter API. You should check them out. And I'm like, I don't know. It's cool that I'm on Twitter's radar as a person to reach out to about this stuff. Yeah, like, thank you for thinking of me, Twitter. Right. That's, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. Although, actually, I guess, I don't know, I'm curious about, like, just running the numbers on people who use the API where I stack up in terms of that kind of stuff. Like, all of Cheapbots just runs on my server that hosts my website. It's mm-hmm. not It's not running on any fancy equipment or it's not taking up any huge amounts of resources, which is... I don't know. I still find kind of kind of funny. I think that's kind of excellent. Like you're allowing something, yeah, lots of small things to happen with with you being like the the way through. Like it's yeah, you were you were the tree, and there's like a little root system. Yeah, you know, and you're kind I, of. You I, know. I still find the wild thing of like 
I see a bot and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And then I like, you know, clearly I'm like, ah, is it running on cheap bots? Because <laughs> it's great for my ego. If I see something and it's really cool and I'm somehow, somehow responsible for it. And then it is. And I'm like, cool, someone made something really cool and it's tweeting out this stuff that I find really funny and that's running on my server. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you've laid a lot of the groundwork for it, which is yeah. freaking great. So uh, what is your favorite cheap bot? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, so the one, I can't actually remember the name of it. Uh, but there's a really good, really good one. No, I can't actually remember any of the identifying details to, to name that. So I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> there's a really good one, guys. Yeah. One of the 4,000 is particularly good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, actually, so I'm super proud of Soft Landscapes. Soft Landscapes is lovely. Yeah, which, it's one of my favorite things in my Twitter feed, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that, that it's super cool to have made that. And I don't know, like that also came out of just like, hey, I added images. Here's, here's some stuff to show that show that you can do cool stuff with images and mm -hmm. yeah i don't know it's, it's really cool super works within that mm. um but yeah yeah i don't know so, i like it breaks it breaks the wall of text that i have in twitter as well every so often you just get a ha ah, it's like this little pause and right yeah which i quite like i mean actually i have I, I follow increasing amounts of people who post like images on twitter yeah or like i don't know but not many of them are artists. like calming images. <laughs> like what tends to go on Twitter is like super, like make an impact crazy shit often. And it's, um, or, you know, like a funny gif of, you know, right. cats doing weird shit or something in Leon colors. Like it's not very often that you get something that's like kind of peaceful on mm. Twitter. So I think that's why I like it. But yes, the peace of Twitter. <laughs> oh dear. Twitter's a weird thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's also, you know, you go to a conference and uh, you don't, you know, like you go to a conference and you exchange business cards at something which is commercial. And then you go to a maze and you exchange Twitter tags, which I also right. appreciate. Yeah. See, uh. indie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, stickers and Twitter, Twitter tags. Right. Indie networking. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like the, the thing of like you start talking to somebody and then you're like, oh yeah, no way. I, I follow you on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're the, like, especially cause, um, like my handle is not like it's V21, not my name. So like, I don't know. I've got, had the awkward thing where I'm like talking to somebody and I'm like, they probably know who I am on Twitter, but mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to seem incredibly like, I don't know, talk, going up to somebody and saying, yeah, you, you've probably heard of me on Twitter. I'm V21. Of course you know me. Because <laughs> uh, yes. if that doesn't work, then you, then you look like a massive dick. <laughs> yes. I think you would sound like a massive dick even if they did follow you on Twitter and you did that though. Right. But if, yeah. if, if, they, do, if they do follow you, like I have said this to people and they've been, oh, okay, that's who you are. Like, uh, you know, yes. this, okay. is, this is useful context <laughs> okay. without which it seems kind of rude to like have a conversation and actually you do know who I am. I just haven't told explained in well enough that you yeah. kind of make the connection that i'm sure. actually that person or if you actually had like a meaningful full conversation on twitter and you have don't it, it reveal that it's actually you yeah, yeah sure yeah. fair enough uh and we talked about this before too you always had a cube as your twitter pick which <laughs> right, is yeah. really tough to like discern who the hell you actually are right. i think even on your website you didn't have a picture of yourself uh, yeah i don't think i do have a picture of myself on my website yeah but yeah but twitter now you've identified yourself by photo well, there's an illustration. Oh, that does that. It's pretty good illustration. Yeah, I don't know why I thought it was a photo. Just it's been Twitter. Um, but so yeah, so so that maybe identifies me. I don't know. It's I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. It's pro pro probably close enough. 
yeah, it's it is definitely a weird thing where you yeah, also where you realize you've been following someone for a really long time and you have no idea who they actually are in real life right, and yeah. you meet them and it's yeah. I mean, sometimes that's cool. I don't know. I, it's it's nice to I mean, this is increasingly rare on the internet, it seems, these days, but, like, you're friends with somebody and you feel like you have a sense of them, but all you have is, like, the stuff they've written and, like, a handle and you don't know their real name or their gender or any of these kind of identifying details about them. Just You just know that, yeah, no, that, that, that person seems super cool. And that's that's all <laughs> the information you have. Um, yes, or you can build up a... Um a Twitter bot that has good enough AI that seems to be doing that and then yeah, reveal that it's yeah. only AI. Well, like, yeah, I think there was somebody who I followed on Twitter and they posted something. I was like, oh, I didn't realize you were in Australia. That's rad. <laughs> like based in Australia or? Yeah, no, it's yeah. like, it like just somebody I followed who posted, posted interesting stuff occasionally. And I was like, oh, you're in Melbourne. Oh, that's right. You should go to my friend Louis' bar. Oh, nice. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yes, and you can offer then place-related place suggestions. That's cool too. Yeah. Oh, Twitter. It's a weird place. It really is. <laughs> okay, so uh, going back. So you want to encourage, to um, work on cheat bots. Yeah, yeah. And do some improvements to that or change how it works. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Just, it just could do, like, there's there's like lots of kind of tiny things that could, could do with being maintained better or looked at or, I don't know. I'm trying to remember what the new, if there are any new shiny features I was going to add. I don't Ooh. know. Yeah. Cool. But um, you're trying to spend more time on your own work is kind of what it sounds like too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's kind of yeah, just trying to make a bit more bit more space in my life for for that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then also, yeah, I I, I kind of want to start a new project as well, but I'm not entirely sure what that is. Possibly something to do with this kind of duration stuff that I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like some something that sits on your phone and you interact with every day in a kind of small way and that, that builds up to something meaningful. Mm-hmm. Tamagotchi. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> I think you've just described a Tamagotchi on your phone. <laughs> I really enjoyed Neko Atsumi for that, actually. Not that I had a relationship with any of the cats because right. you don't see them, I don't know, often enough. Or, there's the, you know, once you've collected their one thing, they only give you fish, which is kind of sad and not that rewarding. But there was something nice about going there and checking out your cat garden every day. Right, feeling yeah. like you were, you know, the crazy cat lady you always imagined you would be. <laughs> um, and at the risk of sounding like a unsufferable hipster, it was kind of interesting playing it when it was only in Japanese. Yes, I and did actually enjoy that too. You can sound like, I, I, yeah, I actually enjoyed that as well. Um, where it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't want to know what the stats mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't really know how I can encourage these cats in my garden as well. I think in the English version, you actually kind of know how you can get cats. Right. So, yeah. And certain cats in your garden. I'm kind of like just changing it around to just see what happened and right. not knowing yeah, what was really going on, except that cats were visiting and there was some weird Japanese text. And, and, and it was nice, like passing information back and forth and somebody explaining a thing to you. And Yeah. You, the discovery of it was really great. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much we don't want to know why it was working the way it was. <laughs> Maybe we should start making games where mechanics are really unclear. Right. Well, I, I think this is definitely a thing you should do. You should definitely, like, it's definitely worth designing designing the game for the community around it and like thinking about that as part of the experience like going onto the wiki to work out how how a thing works or researching like the best weapon builds or stuff like that's part of the game as well yeah and you can kind of design for that to be part of it and design it design that stuff alongside designing the game i don't know it's always harder because you, you can't like iterate on it in the same way that you can 
kind of stuff you can't iterate on your community norms and like it, it, it makes the game very specific to the particular time and place when the stuff was active but I, I feel like this is how we used to actually play games like a really long time ago when we were kids where you didn't have huge communities that you could talk about with right. game, about games. So if you didn't have saving codes for things, like you'd have to like talk to your friends or you like, we used to keep a shoebox of like save codes for different, mm. you know, different games that you're playing and you'd share them with people. And um, that's really changed. I feel as well. This um, and maybe twin beard kind of touched on a little bit when he was talking about ARG where it kind of, actively encourages this kind of community um but i feel like from from our childhood mm. I mean, where we're pretty much the same age that that's really changed uh it's really easy to go online and find some random person talking about how to get everything in a game it's not kind of the the journey that it used to be right i mean minecraft is always my kind of go-to example for this i don't know yeah i mean you basically have like a thing where there's one community or one source of information that everyone goes to for it versus mm -hmm versus these kind of smaller localized pockets of it with maybe more interaction but yeah anyway so you minecraft is definitely one of my favorite examples for this because like because it became big whilst it was still in development yeah. that means that there was a bunch of stuff that just wasn't explained um and so for most people like their experience of starting to play it was like you start playing it it's immediately appealing but there's a whole bunch of shit you don't understand so you need to like go to the wikis or you need to go to youtube and this is one reason that like the community around Minecraft is so huge mm -hmm. and so strong. Like, I mean, obviously Minecraft has sold like, you know, a quadrillion copies. So it is always going to have a large community, but because it, that stuff is not explained within the game instead, instead you're like, cool, well, how do I do this thing? Let's watch it on YouTube. And therefore you have lots of like YouTubers who started on Minecraft because there was a huge Minecraft YouTube community, partly because that's how you learned how the game worked. Yeah. Or you go into the forums and that's that's how you learn where the game works. So therefore you have a huge community of people talking to each other, sharing this kind of stuff and like learning from that as opposed to this stuff is provided in game. So there's no reason to go outside of it. Hmm. I think South Park kind of summed that one up really well in an episode they did last year. They were trying to stop uh, all of the kids in South Park were trying to stop their parents from watching um, <clears throat> criminal porn, I think they were calling it. It was kind of like... Uh, uh, like crimmy stuff where someone gets stabbed, but it was also like pornography and to try and okay. stop their parents from doing this, they were encrypting uh, computers and passwords and everything else by using Minecraft because the mechanics were so <laughs> difficult to understand that you could put something like, how do you get wood in Minecraft? And people would be like, what? <laughs> and then there was like a, a kid who was teaching parents how to play Minecraft so they could access their cable channel um, to, to watch right. the, the, the criminal <laughs> porn that they wanted to watch. So... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it's a, that is a really good example of it, actually. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, especially what you're learning in, you know, in game school is like make mechanics clear, you know, make it intuitive. But I think, yeah, what, once you're at a certain point, also breaking that to say to see what, you know, um, what you can do with right. by stretching meanings of things and by uh, inverting and subverting uh, mechanics as they are. Right. I mean, there's also a thing of like, you know, making stuff obtuse and hoping that leads to like this really strong community still only works if you get a shit ton of people playing your game that's true that, that is true <laughs> so, so if you design it in from the start like you need to think about that and think about that i don't know but it is it is thinking about the game as like the entire experience surrounding it or 
um like yeah or like robert yang wrote a really really good good blog piece about this saying like he spends as much time on the blog posts i mean it doesn't spend as much time but he spends a lot of effort on the blog posts and photos that he takes screenshots of his, his games that he takes because like that's going to have a reach that's much larger than the people actually play it mm-hmm. and the experience that those people get is also also a valid one and worth explicitly designing for like it's not like he's only doing that in order to get people to actually play the games obviously he does want people to actually play the games but it's also like yeah you're you're explicitly designing for what is the experience if you don't actually play it what do you get out of it can you design for that being being something that communicates something and you're explicitly designing um yeah well, it uh, makes his games much bigger by the blog post as well like it really um makes that meaning a lot larger than what it would be in the games and yeah like you yeah. say the reach gets a lot further also not everyone is going to want to play a gay shower simulator let's be honest about right, that yeah. <laughs> um and his games aren't i mean they can be portable but the way that he um has exhibited them before i've only seen them when when they've been exhibited before as a kind of installation mm. um and i think that also is really difficult to put together so it's yeah to to make that reach greater than you know what people would see his stuff built up right. in an installation in the right context like at a maze where it'll be taken kind of as an artifact as well as being a playable game um yeah it helps to generate more content in that way as well yeah i mean i think it's the yeah like the validity of it i don't know like yeah like the reading about it in a blog post is just as valid as playing the actual game and you should design for both and like reading about it in a blog post is also the game i guess oh, it's meta yeah like that, that, <laughs> like you're, you're designing for the experience that people have and one of the experiences people have is like skimming a kotaku headline about it so mm. to the extent that you can design what that kotaku headline says and what that exp- that experience is like which obviously he's not actually writing the kotaku headline but to the extent he can design that then then design that and if this is your artistic practice design that and try to design it to fit with your artistic practice yeah and what you're trying to say and that's just as valid as the meaning you get from actually playing the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, th- thinking about it, um, there's a quote that I really like, um, which is a play begins when you first hear about it and mm-hmm. ends when you finally think about it for the last time. <laughs> when you think about it for the last time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, this is also, um, I'm writing my thesis uh, at the moment about kind of performance in VR and also talking about, where does that experience start as a local multiplayer? So if one person is is uh, fitting you with a headset mm-hmm. and you're the person being fitted with the headset, like the game starts long before you're in the VR. And if someone is looking after you in physical space, for me, they're the local multiplayer. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's also, yeah, these these experiences, I, thinking, I think um, we have a really, I'm saying we in a general sort of game, game people, uh, we have a very limited understanding i think or we we choose to take a limited understanding of what it actually means to be in game and at what point you're in in game and like you say the last time you think about something yeah 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 um and like uh, actually another good example is uh oikospiel david kanega's dog dog opera game i actually don't know this one yet okay so Can you set it up for me <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah um but so the, the process of buying it it goes to a website and like the website where you're buying it even that is kind of so it's a thing where basically you enter your annual salary and the number of dependents you have mm-hmm. and then it generates the price based on that mm-hmm. <laughs> um 
And so if, if the price is too high, you can spin your mouse around in a corner to turn a windmill to very slowly take like cents off the price. <laughs> nice. Um, which, which, you know, like that's, that's wild. Like that's, that's great. Um, and that is part of the part of the game, the process yeah. of buying it. That's, you know, that's, that's a part of the game that you're going to have to play. So if you can make that memorable and like, resonant and great then yeah then then put design into that like don't just restrict yourself into the parts that are i don't know inside the game yeah and that's a really playful way of changing that experience for people as well right i also think the neko atsumi one was uh very different for me too i think it was the first time that i had like got an app onto my iphone that wasn't from the apple store i think that's a really oh, so for yeah. me it was like okay, well, this is the first time I've navigated this space and then you're doing it in Japanese. And yeah, this was part of the experience for me too is I saw these really cute cat pics on Twitter and I was like, how do I get this on my phone? And then, yeah, you follow the steps to get to the, the website to get that thing on your phone and then it's all in Japanese anyway and the discoverability uh, all starts right. to happen. Yeah, and you've got like this deeper investment because you've put all this time into like working out how to sideload stuff. Totally, and... yeah. It definitely, uh, yeah. It definitely had some wonderful things about that game. So it also being unattainable in, right. in, in this in this way as well. Yeah. So maybe less localization. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was, that's a really nice thing about it. It just felt so Japanese too. I think. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was also talking about uh, to Fakura about this is. Um, you know what? Lo what uh, local content do you think is interesting from the area that you're in to share with the world? So, yeah, the perspectives that you get from being in the place that you're in. Um, and she's kind of working on on that at the moment. Um, but yeah, from an outsider to get anything that is like a little bit foreign to you, it's just yeah, super exciting. Right. I don't know. I always, well, I always find that stuff a bit weird just because like. I, don't know, I mean, here at, here at Amaze, and have friends from all around the world, and I feel like I'm as much part of that international community as I'm part of a local community. Mm. And like, I mean, I am actually from London, and like, I'm obviously influenced by being there and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's yeah, I don't know. I'm also, I always find it weird whenever it's like, I don't know, like especially like industry or government things, which are like, yes, we need to promote British games, and I'm like, well, what is a British game? I don't know. Yep. I'm British. If I'm working on it, is it British? Because often I'm working on it with people who are not in the UK or, or international or like, I don't know, like I, I don't, I don't understand where you're trying to draw this dividing line or, or like the, the weird stuff with the cultural test oh, for God. game games tax relief. It's like, you need to be culturally British and you need to hit these particular points. And yeah. I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> culturally British? Jesus. What does that mean? Yeah. I think also, um, I think the experience of Amaze is also different for people who are non, uh, who are native English speakers, mm. because it feels very easy, um, and it is very easy to be at Amaze because it is an English bubble. Yeah, <laughs> everyone is communicating in English. Even you know, um, people are coming from all over, but it's the language that's yeah. unifying us here for sure. So I think it has a very different meaning as well. And being in Berlin, I think when the city is full of English speakers as well, it has a really big it makes it feel different as well. So I think maybe that helps a little bit as well. I don't know. Um, I can't really comment on that either because my <laughs> native language is also English, but right. I, but I do take part in um, German speaking communities now too. Yeah. But when a maze comes, it does feel like 
uh, the bubble is here uh, and that that language, I mean, it's really great that we can all communicate with each other, but I think that a lot of meaning is probably lost right, in yeah, that yeah. as well. Also, I don't know how to, this is just a thing. I don't know how you fix that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like, I mean, just, just, just being conscious of it and aware of it and like, yeah, I don't know, like you can't necessarily solve it, but being aware that, oh yeah, no, this is, this is more welcoming to some people and I mean, that just even knowing that means that you yeah. presumably make more of an effort and are more of aware of the stuff that's happening outside of outside of the particular bubble you're in. Yeah, I really hope we can get more developers from different parts of the world to come to Amaze as well and yeah. take part in the um, independent independent games in general. It seems uh, really far away. It's the first person I've met was Vakra from the UAE who's working in games. She's trying to build up a community there which is also right. why I asked you specifically about how you think you can build a community um, and she does uh, small events like Global Game Jam there where she has 22 people uh, coming and that's a really good turnout for them right mm. now because it's still not something which people acknowledge is, is culturally viable um, yeah so it's these kind of things which you're just like wow like I feel like it's a really great time to be a game developer in the West, but maybe it's really tough in certain areas and pockets and I don't know how to better make this exchange yeah, yeah. easier or, uh, yeah, how to help. I want to be able to help. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I think just providing those links and trying to build up that connection and trying to build it up is, is pretty valuable. Like, that's actually one thing I'm, one thing I'm super impressed like that Rami does like explicitly going around and explicitly acting as because he just travels far too much uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> uh you know and like kind of kind of the thing is like oh yeah Rami, Rami's everything but actually one thing that's cool is providing a link to these kind of smaller communities and kind of linking those together with larger ones and providing a thread that kind of connects across those that I think that's that's pretty valuable but yeah I don't know it's also super expensive to travel constantly yeah <laughs> like I mean, yeah, like a, a big thing there is like, you know, you're putting on an event and like, do you have enough money to pay for people to fly across the world to come to it? Like speakers and stuff like that. And that's that's kind of a natural limiting factor on how international stuff can be. Mm. I think Astrid was talking about this really well also during the Amaze Fest. Um, she's the organizer of the Nordic Game Jam. Um, and she was really talking about, you know, how do you get the sort of diversity or uh, inclusion that you want to have she was like, you just have to spend more money and you have to find people who are specifically interested in investing in that kind of fund. So, um, yeah, finding a way to get more people like, <laughs> over from, you know, other countries that we, we don't have much access to or it doesn't feel like we have much, much access to. And I don't know, it feels like the exchange is really useful. We just have to find a way to, to do it, which is financially viable for all of these weird little indie developers that have no money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we need money. <laughs> Where do we get the monies from? <laughs> I'm pleased you're putting a Patreon on your uh, your bots, though. That sounds really great for your bots. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that your first time working with Patreon as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, it will be. But you have a few other people who use, I think, Hannah Nicklin. Yeah, so I know, I know some people who use it and yeah. I support some people on there already. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like it's 
like you start that around and then the money just circulates on there between between various people who have different patreons like you get some someone there and then you send it around and just kind of circulates in that same kind of small bubble with patreon <laughs> taking off five percent each time <laughs> which is just like indie developers contributed to indie developers yeah minus right, yeah. the percentage yeah wow okay um has anyone been able to uh support themselves to a to a small point with it uh, or to a point where they actually notice on on patreon. on patreon um yeah so like high profile stuff is is like the main income sources for for some some organizations mm. uh for a while until the project exploded like quite spectacularly i hear um it was kind of funny because like patreon doesn't doesn't show a list of like the top earning patreons yeah uh, and the reason they didn't do this or like one of the reasons they didn't do this is because for a while the by a, by a reasonable margin the top earning one was people making a uh pornographic game <laughs> about about like furry a pornographic furry porn game <laughs> uh called breeding season wow um but yeah i mean you can't have a list of like yeah look at all these people earning money and and it's like yeah no no the top one is furry porn like this turns out that's the way you make money off your art is you make furry porn so if you hit a niche in the right way you're right you're, you're golden yeah um but yeah i mean they so they they were they were like a team of five all employed full-time to work on the game from this one patreon account wow um but yeah so i know other, other people who are earning earning decent chunks of money kind of that way or like at the high end there are people earning actual living that way mm. and then at the the low end it's people who are making a couple of hundred dollars a month which which totally helps and it's totally cool and like you know especially if a couple of hundred dollars a month that you can put into the stuff that you actually want to put put time into and you can i don't know the sense of being able to pay yourself for that for that time yeah. is important yeah even uh, if it's a sense of <laughs> right <laughs> yeah if it lets you not feel like you're actively investing your time and your money if you're just investing right. your time at least and your expenses aren't crippling it makes a big difference yeah, as well yeah, yeah. yeah. It, that's the worst you're giving time and money to a venture that you just seem to just put in and put in and right i mean like for, for cheap bots like the reason i didn't do anything like this beforehand is because i deliberately set it up and i mean i was saying how i deliberately set it up to to have kind of fairly low overheads in terms of computing power needed mm -hmm. and designed it pretty well in terms of not needing like constant maintenance to keep it up and keep it running um which yeah seems seems to basically be true um but part of that is also like setting the expectation i'm saying like hey yeah i'm not making any promises about the service i'm running it but it might all fall over but now it feels like it's important enough infrastructure that mm. i don't feel i can just be like ah if it dies it dies who cares yeah you have lot, a lot of people lot, who are lots using of people it. do care yeah. like if it if it falls over and goes away properly then i will receive many messages saying hey like it's, it's a real shame you know yeah um and so just kind of being more explicit like fine yes i'm making i'm making a promise that this will stay up and yeah. receiving money from people is is a very tangible way of having that obligation to them and having an obligation to but also that. it's a really great way for people to be able to say thank you because right, yeah. i think people who use uh something like that that someone has put money in and or time into and um resources and has made it more accessible like people do want to be able to say thank you for sure and be able yeah. to like yeah put their money where their mouth is or like yeah purchase something that they actually think is worthwhile purchasing 
So, yeah. Yeah. So you got a little community happening? 4,000? Right. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, the, the other thing to do, of course, is I could just, you know, start up a startup and use this as a thing and get venture capital money and do that route. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I've just seen the dark side of George. <laughs> right. But I mean, like, you know, like, especially like earlier last year, like when there was all this like hype about chatbots and I'm like shit maybe i should maybe i should like pitch this like you know lots of people are going very excited for chatbots and like well i've got a bot hosting platform that's actually mm-hmm. got a sizable user base and mm-hmm. has a sizable reputation i did it myself it's running on my spare mm-hmm. vps like all these people like trying to do these startups with like weird pitches and like yeah like i don't know it just <laughs> and i don't think it should be i don't think it should be wrong for indie developers to earn an income as well no 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 so no. if it's something that you have to do that lets you make continue to make the weird shit that you want to make my opinion is like Go, go for it. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to do that because it also changes the nature of the thing that you're making. That does. A lot. That does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, just kind of funny to kind of compare that and kind of go, <laughs> wait, actually, actually, there's, I don't know, this is a successful product on in yeah. that scale and in that space. Yeah. Um, and it's weird to kind of think about it as like, yeah, this is my like side hobby, but also it's, I don't know, like... I mean, obviously, if you're running it as a company, then it needs a load of more resources yeah. just to do all of the kind of stuff that. But if you're just doing it as a one person, as a one person operation, you can just do stuff a lot quicker and more efficiently, and just kind of make a call and implement it. And I don't know, like the code for it's horrible. There's not like, <laughs> like I mean, but it's also like yeah, like it's not well. There's not like a good way to test it, so I don't do stuff live. Look, in it's a cheap but done quick. Exactly. You know, yeah. What are people expecting? You know? um, but but at the same time, like you know, it, I don't know, it, it 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 does run, and like the goodwill that you have from people is 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 way more valuable. Like if I yeah. I don't know, it fucks up, and I'm like, oh sorry, it's it's fucked up for this reason. Then everyone's just like, hey, it's cool. Thanks for running it. <laughs> Um, which if you if you frame your expectations with the community differently then then you don't get that goodwill instead people are like hey you're, you're a company why are you why are you just why is it going down the whole time um why is it fucking up all the time and the answer is just like ah it's because i don't know <laughs> i just don't know <laughs> and on that f- fabulous note <laughs> Thank you so much, George. It's Th- been... Thanks for having me. This has been a, a wonderful time. <laughs> oh, it's been a pleasure to have you. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and are, are there any events that you've got coming up that you would like to mention at this point? Or if uh, not, I can just link? Yeah, no, so there hopefully will be a Wild Rumpus coming up this summer. Excellent. And another Now Play This in about a year's time, cool. hopefully. Fingers, fingers for crossed. the games week in London. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. And George is at V21 if you miss that he's now got a image of himself so that's that's pretty great if you see him around town you can like (laughs) say hi and tell him that you've like read his shit and things uh and for me i just want to say if you've enjoyed the podcast uh if you want to give comment or feedback i'd love to hear it you can get in touch with uh life and dev podcast with at life and dev pod for twitter uh the website is lifeanddev.com uh you can subscribe with your favorite pod cast listener app of any sort thanks to pod love uh and hope to have you as a as a listener again soon but please get in touch if you'd like to uh have anyone particular uh on the show as well so thank you send send some stars my way (laughs) and thank you again thanks george and we'll say we'll wrap it up now but yeah thank you thanks it's been lovely